give your best praise if you're not turning back. Come on, we believe he's enough. We're not turning back today, God. Come on, Lord. We've decided by your strength and your, your spirit to follow you, God. Our legs aren't strong enough, but you are, Jesus. So we keep our eyes on you. But we're not turning back. We declare that you're enough today. We declare it with our mouth, our heart, our minds, our worship. You're enough, Jesus. You are enough, Lord. As we're tempted daily to turn back to something or turn back to somewhere or someone, Lord, we keep our eyes to you today. We declare you're enough. We have decided, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him praise one more time. If you believe that he's enough in this place. It is good to be at Transformation Church with you guys this morning. Come on, you believe Christ is enough? We're a loud church. If, listen, if you don't believe he's enough yet, maybe you're not ready to declare that, but I promise you, I hope after today you'll, you'll see that he's enough. And he's everything you need. He's never lost a battle and he won't start now. And so it's a good place to put your faith and trust and hope in the one named Jesus. Look at somebody today and say, you're looking good. And grab your seat. Look at the other person as you sit down and ask him if that took hard work. A lot of uh, pretty people in here, a lot of prep in here in y'all's outfits and your hair and all that good stuff. Uh, it is good to be in the house of God. We're in a series uh, called Won't Conform and, and just been looking at the thought of being loud in our faith, being um, upfront in our faith. Not, not silencing our faith in, in, in our community, in our jobs, in our homes. And come on, everything about culture wants us to silence our faith. And so the enemy set up a system. Uh, Romans 12.1 says that we will be transformed by the word of God, by the renewing of our mind. Listen, all change starts in your mind. We looked at that in one of our uh, parts of this series. Everything that you, you want to do really begins in your mind. If you can get your head out of a situation, you can get your life out of a situation. If you can get your head out of thinking a certain way, you, your, your life follows uh, your mind. We are not uh, conformed, the Bible says, to, to this world conformed or poured out like a jello mold i've said it before uh really there's no dessert menu that has jello on it anywhere in, in any restaurant come on somebody i mean jello is not that great it's overrated and uh it's it just it's no consistency to it you swish it around and it disappears in your mouth and so so this and, and what he's saying is we're not we're not conformed or we're not poured like a jello mold with no consistency to all the things that the world tells us to be, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what it looks like to not conform. Um, Romans 12 talks about it. I'm going to look at a story today out of Daniel. I think it's a beautiful picture uh, of not conforming and how not to and some thoughts about that. Before I do that, two things. You guys saw the trailer out there. Uh, we have something called Generous House here, which is a diaper bank for East Tennessee. We give away thousands of diapers. Uh, I didn't know it, but it's a huge issue uh, for families that can't afford diapers and then they can't put their children in preschool because they won't take children with no diapers. And so moms and dads who don't have that kind of income can't work effectively and there's all types of things attached to uh diapers who knew besides just cleanliness <laughs> um but you know that's funny okay um you can laugh but uh the the reality is um we want to help and serve our, our our area and so please if you get a chance you can drop those off next week we're trying to fill that trailer um and then next week <clears throat> we're going to end this series called fire away 
And we're going to go into a series in October, uh, and I'm not going to tell you what the title is and stuff because I want to surprise you a little bit, but, but it's going to be an amazing series around the Holy Spirit and uh, the things of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so that'll be a great time in October. Next week, we want to do uh, Won't Conform, but we want to call it Fire Away, um, where you can fire your questions at us. And so online on our website, you can go to transformationchurch.us uh, backslash fire away. And there's a template there, a survey where you can say, I want to hear more about this or this or this. And you can pick some of those. And we'd love to get those in from you this week. And then I'm going to kind of answer those questions around areas that maybe you've been uh, looking at conforming in or areas that culture has been trying to make you conform or areas that culture has been trying to make you quit. We'd love to answer that and speak to that next week. So it's kind of going to be an interactive uh, time next week. So please go to the website and fill that out. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3, uh, looking at um, a story about three young godly men that were taken from their homeland and brought to Babylon. Maybe you know the story. Daniel is, is one of the men, and then three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are three uh, Israeli boys that are godly young men that have been brought from their godly culture and put into uh, Babylon, an ungodly culture. Verse 14, it says this, And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? They're probably in their late 20s by this point. They've been in Babylon for about 20 years anyway. <clears throat> so I'm not quite sure how old they are, but uh, they've been there about 20 years. He says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither. Come on, any zither players in here? Yes, we need, if you, we'd love you to apply for our worship, band, our worship team. Uh, we need zither players. And so uh, the flute, the zither, I don't even know what that is. Uh, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. How many know that Satan always puts up a symphony to get us to bow? It looks good, it sounds good, but it's very dangerous. He says, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. One translation says, we don't have any need to answer you. Listen, so many of you are so busy trying to explain God, you forgot that God's not just a, a God of explanation, He's a God of demonstration. Amen. And you want to figure it all out and get everybody convinced. Come on, you weren't convinced into Jesus, you were convicted into Jesus. Holy Spirit has to convict you. God's a God of demonstration, not just explanation. And so we can go out there and try to explain God mentally and intellectually and theologically all day long, but if you don't have any demonstration of God in your life, no one's going to believe it. Amen. Amen. Two of, two, all two of you. We, we are a talkback church. We are a loud church. We are a, a responsive church. And so I just want to remind you of our culture. I love you so much. I know this service is the one where we have more guests and more people checking us out. But man, a one-way conversation is hard on me. And so, man, y'all help me preach. I get excited and y'all go to lunch faster. Come on, somebody. Come on, front row. Come on, front row. This is front row Joe. If y'all hadn't met front row Joe. I, he, he, he's got a nickname in Jesus' name. And so uh, it's awesome. Uh, we, we, it's, it's, they, the Bible says here that we don't need to answer you in this matter. God's a God of demonstration. And, and, and it's an amazing thing how they kind of stand up to, to Nebuchadnezzar. <clears throat> they say this. <clears throat> we don't need to answer you. Verse 17. If we, were thrown, if we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us, and, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. 
even if we will not bow down. The title, the thought, the theme today uh, for you to take notes, if you are, simple title, even if, even if. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, help me, guide me, help us, open our hearts, open our, our spirits to your word. Jesus, we want to see you. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus so we can become more like him. Uh, we need you, Holy Spirit, to help us to be transformed, not to conform, but to be changed. Lord, your word says somehow that we can partake of divine nature by receiving your promises. Help us to open up our hearts today to your promise so we can partake more of divine nature. In Jesus' name, amen? Even if, uh, I, I preached this whole thought today, and one girl, I could change the title, a girl came up to me after first service and she said, after this message, God has turned my what ifs into even ifs. I'm like, man, that, she just preached my whole message to me in one sentence. You know, we have so many what ifs, but these boys are standing on even ifs. And I uh, think it's powerful. I have three children, uh, 16, 14, and 12. Uh, my son Jude is right there. He's 14 years old. Um, when we were raising our kids and, and we had children, we had no idea what to do. Anybody? Come on. We're, we're all, I heard it the other day. We're all, we, none of us know how to parent. Come on. We're all, we're all praying for the limited amount of counseling as possible for our children. I know I'm screwing them up, but I pray they just don't need too much counseling, right? And so um, we were praying. We didn't know what to do and uh, just praying. We prayed over them every night. I prayed over all my children, still pray over my children every night. And, um, and, and my wife prayed. She doesn't admit that she prayed this, but she prayed that our children would have strong wills. She's shaking her head right now that she did not. She says that she, she prayed that they would have strong spirits. I believe that she prayed they have strong wills because they do. And if the prayer wasn't answered by God, then it came from her. And so I don't, it must be a God prayer, you know. And, and she did, she prayed they'd have strong spirits, I guess, or strong wills. I don't know. But, but uh, my son Jude, at seven years old, we went to a birthday party um, to go. She, you know, we prayed they'd be stand, strong for God, stand for God, loud for God, worship God, bold for God. You know, they wouldn't uh, conform. They would be, speak up for God. And so... Um, Jude, uh, he's, he's a little quiet sometimes, but he's got this strength about him. And <clears throat> we went to Laser Quest. Come on, everybody know Laser Quest? It's like a Knoxville staple. It's been every kid's had a birthday party there if you're from there, if you're from here. And so it's a little old over on Kingston Pike by Marshalls or whatever, uh, TJ Maxx. And so we had a little middle school birthday party. We go there, and all his buddies are there, and we walk in. And this is the first time he's ever been. And so I, I know I owe my kids $5 every time I tell a story about him. So he's looking at me like I'm making money right now. Um, <laughs> And, 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 and so, so we go in, and, and the music's playing, and we get suited up, and I'm excited. Come on, dads. I got my name picked out. I'm ready to kill some kids, get the high score. I'm going, I'm going rogue in there. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're, uh, we're, we're suited up, and my son, he, he's in there, and he gets in, in the room, and we're, they're telling us the instructions, and the door opens up, and the fog comes out, and he looks at me. He's like, I'm not going in. I'm like, dude, what do, you, what do you mean you're not going? He's like, I'm not going in. I'm like, son, we're here. We're suited up. We've heard the rules. We're about to go. We're playing the game. It's time. The ticket's counting down. The, the clock is going. Come on, it's time. We're going in. He's like, I'm not going in. I'm like, you're going in. He's like, I'm not going in. I'm like, what, what do I need to do? Why, why, why? He goes, he goes, tell him to change the music. Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, all in my eyes was playing. <laughs> Purple Haze, you know. He's a little Christian school kid. He's like, what's happening? Fog. And oh, he's like, Jimi Hendrix is freaked out. I'm like, I'm getting convicted. You know, I'm like, this doesn't bother me. You know, and, and we're, we're, we're walking in, you know, and he's like, tell him to change. I'm like, change it to what? He's like, I don't care. Tell him to put it to Caleb. I'm like, uh, uh. 
I'm like, I want to, I want to play. I mean, ma'am, excuse me. My son will not go in unless you change the station. Could you put it on Caleb? She's like, what? And like, she finally, we convinced her to turn it to Caleb. We got like Christian ballads playing all over the battlefield. It's like, doesn't even match the environment. And so, and so I'm like, okay, you good? You good? He's like, he goes to go in. It's dark. He goes, I'm not going in. I'm like, what? Like, we got Caleb playing, son. I'm with you. We're, we're, he's like, I'm not going in. He's like, I'm sitting in the lobby. I'm like, son, you've got to go in. And I knew that I could not leave him sitting in the lobby by himself because his strong-willed mom would kill me. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Strong-spirited mother would kill me. So we're both in the lobby pouting. I'm like, You're go- you want to go in? He's like, I was like, son, I said, I'll give you $5. I'll pay you if you go in. He's like, I don't care if you pay me. You can't bribe me. I am not going in. I walk home. I tell my wife. Or we, I don't walk home. I go home. I tell my wife. I walk in with him. I'm kind of dragging a little seven-year-old in. I'm pouting. I'm mad. I'm like, he wouldn't go in. Made me change the music. I told him I would pay him, and he wouldn't go in. She's like, good for him. You know? Here, here, here's my question. When Satan's culture and when, when the enemy and when the things that push you and try to conform you and pay you and bribe you and pressure you, how do you respond? What does it look like in your life when, when stuff starts pushing in around you? What kind of decisions do you make when things just put pressure on you to conform or to make a decision that you know you don't want to do or to come at you? There's always a decision between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness and things are trying to pressure us. And, and what are we made of on the inside? Sometimes the, the greatest statements come out of the greatest pressures in our life. These three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's a story where they've been taken from a godly culture and placed into the most ungodly culture you could ever imagine. Take the worst environments, the worst nations you could ever imagine, and this is times 10. Take Nazi Germany where people are being, uh, you know, just hurt and, and burnt alive. And take, take, take the, most, the, the worst place in Amsterdam you can imagine where prostitution is in the windows to go shopping for and drugs and heroin on the street. Take any of these nations, take, take the worst that you can imagine and times it by 10. That's this culture. That's Babylon. And, and, and the history on King Nebuchadnezzar, I call him King Nebo, he, he went and he was a general and he went down and conquered Egypt. And on his way back to Babylon as king, he stopped and laid siege on Jerusalem and took, took over all the young men and the young people in that nation and took them back to Babylon as captives, as, as slaves. And so this was a fulfillment of prophecy, but that's where we find ourselves. So these three boys have been in the land for 20 years. They've actually been promoted up through an ungodly government. Come on, some of y'all think it's all about the government and all about where you are. Listen to me, it's not about where you are, it's about who you are. You can prosper and be blessed in any area of your life if you are who you say you are and you are who God says you are. And, and these young men begin to, begin to prosper. In Daniel chapter 2, after about 20 years, the king has this dream of this giant silver statue, 90 feet tall. It's got silver, gold, and clay. Its feet are made of stone. And, th- and this rock comes out of this other kingdom and crushes, crushes that statue. He asks for an interpretation from Daniel. Daniel comes in chapter 2 and gives an interpretation. He says, that's this kingdom, this kingdom, and this kingdom, and your kingdom is this kingdom. The rock that comes out of heaven is actually the kingdom of God that smashes that kingdom. Come on, does it ever feel like Satan's kingdom's taking root in our society and in our world so much, and sometimes it gets daunting, like, is God's kingdom ever going to set foot down? Is Jesus ever going to? Come on, you and I are called to carry out the mission until his kingdom does come fully and finally. 
but it's here and it's in us. And so he responds and he gives this interpretation and Nebuchadnezzar responds in rebellion and says, all right, if there's a 70 foot silver kingdom that gets destroyed, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to build or a 90 foot uh, uh, statue. I'm going to build a 90 foot statue of gold in rebellion to the dream in rebellion to God's kingdom, and nothing is going to ever smash my kingdom. Nothing is ever going to destroy my kingdom. And it's a picture of this satanic kingdom versus this godly kingdom and the battle that is ensuing on the planet. And so these three men find themselves in this scenario. They've been given these ungodly names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're cultural names. Listen to me. The culture named them. Culture is trying to name you to steal your identity. It's always trying to get you to take on a name that gives worship to a false god. And so they've got this name, and and now every time their name's called, it's attached to this false identity. The the culture was trying to conform them into a false identity. That's what our culture is trying to do to you and I. Our culture is fighting for our worship. You were made to worship. I was made to worship. Listen to me. The culture does not just want your nine-to-five work. It also wants your worship. It wants your work. But it also wants us to worship. And, and you've got to write this down. Whatever becomes your source becomes your God. So whatever's your source of joy, whatever's your source of energy, whatever's your source of, of life, or whatever's your source of strife even, that whatever is your source, it becomes your God. And so culture wants you to falsely name sources all around you that can bring you what you think is a source so that you will worship it as your God. And that's what's happening with these young boys. So the king brings all the people into the valley. He brings the Democrats, the Republicans, the politicians, the entertainers, the Hollywood elite. He brings the, every middle class, upper class, lower class, brings everybody into a field. And he, bur- he builds this statue and says, when you hear the music, you bow. And he builds a furnace and says, if you don't bow, you burn. It's this threat of bow or burn from the enemy. And these three boys, in the most challenging moment of their life, they say something When they're facing this fiery furnace, they're not going to bow. And they say three things. It's amazing. They say, our God can save us. The king says, who's going to deliver you from my my hand? They go, our God can save us. And then they go, our God will save us. And then they say something that's probably the greatest faith statement in the Bible. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not bow. We will not burn. But even if you threaten us to burn... We're not going to bow. Write this down. Don't, don't allow the threats of the enemy to try to define your destiny. There, there's so many things trying to threaten you, and the enemy's coming at you in so many ways when it comes to the things of God, and he will threaten and scare you and make you feel like if you do this that God's saying, if you bow to God, you're going to burn in some area. You can go into your finances when it comes to tithe or generosity. You can go into uh, forgiveness or letting go of bitterness or anger. You can go into the, the questions of why and what if. Come on, that girl said, I went from what if to even if. And we have all these things in our life, and the enemy's always threatening in us to say, if you do it God's way, you're going to be restricted and not protected. Come on, God. God's way is not restriction, it's protection. And so these boys make this stand. There's three things they say. They say, our God can save us. Come on, somebody in this room has forgotten that your God can. Some of you are in a battle of your life and you've actually forgotten who God is and that he actually can save you, that he's the God of miracles, he's the God of wonder, he's the God of power, he's the God of creation, he's the God of of, of the universe. Come on, some of you in your mind have thought, man, can God actually do this? The Bible says that he measures out the nations, they're a drop in a bucket to him. Look at Isaiah 40, 15. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. I mean, take a big giant bucket of water right now and take one drop. That's the nations to God. 
That one drop is all of the nations. Look at Psalms 8.3. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you have set them in place. He was like, moon, go here. Your God can. Like he set the moon and the stars in the heavens. He breathed out the universe. When's the last time you did that? I mean, my God can do miracles and wonders and signs, and He's still creator. He's still working miracles. We, we, we live in between mystery and miracle, mystery and miracle, mystery and miracle, mystery and miracle. We don't have all the answers. We don't understand why, but there's this place between mystery and miracle, and one day we'll know why, but there's still miracles. And just because it's a mystery, don't discount the miracles. I was with some people last, yesterday, a couple days ago, I heard a story, a couple from England, they were, they were going, uh, they had neighbors, and their neighbors weren't believers, and they were the believers, and, and the neighbors called them the heavenly neighbors. That's better than the neighbors from the other place, right? <laughs> and they called them the heavenly neighbors, and so... And so um, the mother of the, uh, the family had a stroke and went into a coma and went to the hospital. And, and the daughter knew that that woman, June, liked uh, this family, the Heavenly Neighbors. And so they were going to pull the plug on day five because they didn't, she was in a coma and brain dead. They said, day five, we'll wait and we'll pull the plug. And so the daughter called this couple and said, could you come pray for my mom? I know she loved you. She called y'all the Heavenly Neighbors. She said, sure, we'll come. So the family walked into the room. The guy came in and his name was Jay John. He's a speaker who goes all around the world. He's telling the story at a women's conference this last week we were at. And he, and he walked in. He said, he said, hi, June. The heavenly neighbors are here. You know, and he just said, I just didn't know what to do. I grabbed her hand. I said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And the minute he said thy kingdom come, she went, oh. Slow motion, like, oh. All the tubes. And he was like, he goes, it was pretty scary, you know. And, and then she, he went out and told her husband, she came a lot. She came back. He's like, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. No, she came back. She's awake. She went home like three days later. Come on. God's still working miracles. He's still the God of creation. Come on. He can. He can. Number two, they said, our God can. But then they said, and he will save us. Come on, it's one thing to know he can. It's another thing to have the faith that he will, that he's able. It's one thing to know he can. It's another thing to declare that he will because sometimes we know he can, but we get scared to declare he will because now our reputation and our God's, everything's on the line. It's like I'm declaring these things. And I, like I said, it's mystery and miracle. We're not sure, but we're still going to declare he will. Come on, Jesus is proof that he will. We could not get to God. Jesus came to this planet and, and he came to you and I so we could have a relationship with God. That's proof that he will. Him coming to you is proof he will do it. I, got, I need an assurance. Faith says that, that, that faith is being assured of the things that you and I don't see. How assured are you that he will? Some of you aren't assured that God will. You're like, well, I know he can. I know he's got power. I know, but I don't know if he will for me. I don't know if, it, can I tell you, he'll, if he'll do it for anybody, if he'll do it for one, he'll do it for everybody. And, and he will. Whether that's when we walk into the gates of heaven one day and we're delivered from this planet that's full deliverance. You know, whether it's that moment or whether it's something we walk through here and God delivers us here, like I said, mystery and miracle, but our God will. And then three, they said, but oh, King, even if he doesn't, we ain't bowing. 
Come on, how do you respond when God doesn't do what you think, when God doesn't meet your timeline, when God doesn't re- react or respond the way you think he should? How do you, what do you do? Do you quit? Do you conform? Do you give in? Do you give up? Do you step back? Or do you stay declaring in faith that my God will, my God can, and I, even if I face something, I'm not going to bow to what you're saying, Satan. This is a faith statement. These guys say, even if, even if I don't get the promotion, I'm going to stay full of praise. Even if the relationship breaks apart, I'm going to keep worshiping God because he deserves it. Come on, he's been too good for us to turn around. We sang it this morning. I've decided. Come on, there's all types of things that want to, want to make us turn around and go back. All types of stuff that we feel like we could turn it back to sometimes. But he's been too good for us to turn around. He says, even if, I'm not going to bow. This is the climactic kind of verse where they're facing this furnace and they say, hey, we're going we're gonna to be still standing and we won't conform. My question is, I'm going to give you three thoughts. How did they do this? How, how did these guys decide not to conform, standing in front of a furnace, threatened with their life, about to bow or not bow, or about to burn or not burn, and they decide we ain't bowing? How'd they do it? I think there's three things. Verse 16 is, is kind of an indicator of the first one. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I've never seen this before. Look at this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They all three replied. They, they, weren't, they weren't on their own. They were, they were actually sitting together with the same response. There's some things that you need to get around you. There's some people that you need to sit with. Number one, how did, they, how did they make this decision? They were sitting together. They were responding together. It wasn't just like individual faith. It was this team of brothers that were banded together going, we're going to respond to this threat together. Come on, how many of you know it's always better to have somebody with you when you're lost or in trouble? Come on, who wants to get lost? I don't, I don't, if we get in trouble, I want, I want another buddy getting in trouble with me, you know? I don't want somebody, I've told y'all the story before. I remember when I was at, uh, about 16, I was hitting golf balls at a driving range in the wrong direction back towards the parking lot. And, and this car pulled in and I heard it, it went through the bushes and shattered the windshield. And this dude comes around the, 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 the bush and I can't see who it is when well, my buddy's standing there with me and he just takes off running. I pointed. <laughs> I did it. If you're going to run, I'm going to point. Like, don't leave me standing here by myself, dude. Got a little closer. It was my dad. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) he made me pay for it. He didn't tell me insurance paid for windshields in Kentucky. I had to work it off and pay 250 bucks. Come on. Character starts early, right? Somebody, but, but the point is we need people in our life that aren't going to run, that aren't going to leave us on our own. that aren't going to let us stand by ourselves with our faith. You need friends around you. If you don't want to conform, you need some people around you. Who are you sitting with? You remember when you had to pick the table at high school lunch? Remember how, how hard it was to figure out what table to sit at? I mean, I remember growing up, I had 2,500 kids in my high school. And picking the table the first week of school, I mean, you had every genre of people. You had the cool people, the uncool people, the rednecks, the hipsters, the, the Eno, the Eno, the Emu, the Ena. You, had, you know, you had the... <laughs> You had, you had the, 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 the gangsters, you had the drug dealers, you had the football players, you had the, uh, the soccer team. It's like, oh, it's like this whole, all the different directions. And whatever table you picked was important because you were stuck at it the rest of the year. Like, it was a hard skill to get from one table to the next. You had to have some real people skills to elevate to a different table or to go. You could, you could get left in the lurch by yourself. Like you thought you were at this table and you tried to leave. Now they don't like you, but you don't get accepted at another table. And everyone wants to be at the cool table. Anybody? It matters who you sit with. It matters who's sitting around you. You can have all the fire of God in your life and pray in tongues and prophesy and work in the gifts of the Spirit and be on fire, but if you don't have other flames around you, you're going to burn out. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're, your fire is going to dwindle. I, I heard a story of an old preacher in the 1800s in England. And 
This guy quit going to his church and quit showing up and was dealing with issues. And the preacher went to his house, sat down in a chair. The man had a fire going and it was, the hearth was there and the fire. And the preacher reached in with the, with the tongs and grabbed a piece of coal from the fire and put it on the hearth. And it slowly, they just watched it. No words were said. They slowly just watched it dwindle and go out. And then he took the tongs and grabbed the piece of coal and put it back in the flames. And they slowly watched it come back on fire. And the guy looked at him and said, enough said. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> Get the point, you know. You and, you and I need things in our life, people in our life, so we can be transformed and not conformed, right? So there's things you can't fix. I'm terrible with the iPhone. I, I'm, just, I'm better now, but like technology, come on, anybody, be honest. I'm, I'm 44 years old, so it's not, my, you know, it's, not a, it's not built into my hand. It's not sewn onto my body like it is to the generation that's coming up now. So, so I have a, a great friend who's also one of our pastors, our worship pastor, Emery, and uh, and he's good with it. And so years ago, I didn't know, like, my screen would flip and turn and flip and turn. And I'm like, man, my screen always flips. He's like, well, lock it. I'm like, you can do that? He's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, how? He's like, just bink right there. I'm like, you just changed my life. Like, I'm trying to watch my iPhone and I'm just, you know. He changed my life about six months ago, too. I'm trying to put the cursor somewhere and you know, fix something, and I can't get the cursor to go where I want the cursor to go. How many of you know that problem? And you're trying to go and fix something, and you're hitting the button, and it doesn't ever land where you wanted to land behind the letter that you're supposed to correct, so you end up having to put it where it lands and then erase like a whole sentence and then retype it. So the other day he goes, do you know you can hold the space bar down and the whole screen goes blank and the space bar becomes a cursor and you can use your thumb and put the cursor wherever you want in the whole phone? Who does not know that? Come on. Yes. Revelation today. You just hold it. Bing. And you just put it wherever you want. I had been, I had been trying to do this for 10 years. One moment changed my entire life. Some of you for 10 years have had issues with getting your space bar where you needed it, getting your cursor in life fixed and trying to figure out how to rearrange things. Your life's been flipping upside down and you don't have any people around you to go, you know what, you can lock that. It can be changed in one sentence by having the right people around you. They're sitting together. They're, they're believing God. Come on, who's around you? Who you're with is who you're becoming like. Who you're sitting with is what you're becoming like. Come on, don't quit. Don't conform. Number two, they're standing together. They're standing together. What do you mean they're standing together? Well, they make a stand in this field. There's three boys that don't bow. Everybody else bows. The music plays. All of a sudden, there's this great symphony. But they, everybody looks up, and these three dudes aren't bowing. They're standing together. But listen to me. They made a private stand before they ever made a public stand. You'll never make a public stand out there at your job, in your home, with your family, with your boss, with your friends, unless you can make a private stand in your own life with some brothers and sisters around you that believe in you and walk with you. They're sitting together. They're standing together. Do you remember they got taken out of the ungodly environment and then all of a sudden they're being promoted up through the government and they take a stand one day. They're all eating the, the king's food and the king puts them on a king's diet and it's meat and cheese and wine and desserts. Come on, somebody. Yes, that's the menu I want. I want the king's menu, baby. And they're eating and, and they're getting foggy and their life's not going well, real well. And they say, hey, oh, king, can you test us? Let us for 10 days eat our God diet, vegetables and water, and be very unhappy. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I do. And I'm very unhappy with my diet. My life, I'm happy, but my diet, I'm not. And, and, and so they eat the king's food, vegetables and water. And then they say, test us in 10 days and see who's smarter. 
And they bring out all the magicians and the administrators and the satraps and the, and the different administrators of, of the kingdom, and they test them. And these guys are actually smarter than all of them. And they prove it. And so they make this stand to say, we're going to stand for God privately. They stand together, and now it gives them the power to stand up publicly for God. Come on, why do you think we ask you to stand and engage in worship and put your hands in the air? We don't ask you to put your hands in the air because it's some kind of denominational backdrop and denominational system or even some type of emotional worship. It's biblical. It's biblical worship. Raise your hands, all you people. Clap under the, under the Lord, all you people. Worship him with shouts and, and praise, all you people. I mean, it's not, we're loud because it's biblical, not because it's like just cool, you know, not because it's our style. Listen to me. And, and the other reason we ask you to do that it's because you have fear of man. You have fear of people. And so if you're, if you're scared to do it in here, to abandon yourself in here, to not worry what the person next to you thinks in here, you are never going to stand out there the way God asks you to stand out there when the pressure's on and the furnace is facing you. I was in the grocery store line one time, and the person in front of another lady kept saying, you know, GD. And the person behind them kept yelling, praise Jesus. (laughs) Every time they would yell GD, the person would yell praise Jesus. And the lady was like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, I think my God deserves equal airtime. (laughs) Put it out there. I I play golf with strangers all the time, and they'll be like, Jesus Christ. On the, you know, putting, missing putt. Jesus Christ. I'll be like, King of Kings. <laughs> Don't miss a putt. Jesus, Lord of Lords, sir. <laughs> Listen, I, I broke off the fear of that stuff a long time ago. You don't have to beat them up with the Bible and be weird and all that stuff. You can make them laugh, have fun with it, and then, and then actually go, get in there with an arrow of the gospel. Say, let me just actually talk to you about who he is. I'm just saying, like, we've got to stand together, man. We've got to, and we can't do it on our own. We sit together. We stand together. And the third thing is, and this is important, they walk together. What do you mean they walk together? The king, when he sees they won't bow, he gets ticked off and he heats up the furnace seven times hotter. I wish I could tell you that you serving Jesus and deciding not to conform and deciding to serve him, it would get easier. It will not. Welcome to church. I mean, anybody that blames me for just preaching, you know, naming and claiming, it's just easy, greasy faith. Come on, they're missing this sermon today. The reality is, come on, God is on your side. God is with you. God will deliver you. God can deliver you, but it will get hotter. You need to write this down. Whenever you take a stand for God, there will always be a fire to face. Uh, This is how promotion works. You want promoted in an area in the kingdom, you will have to face a fire. You will have to face a furnace. The the heat gets turned up seven times hotter. Do you remember Moses when they're leaving Egypt and all God's people are leaving and Pharaoh says, let them go, get them out of here and they they begin to leave? You know the first thing Pharaoh does is a picture of Satan. He says, wait a minute, I messed up. Send the army and chase them back. I don't want to lose my slaves. When you decide to go out and worship God in the wilderness or worship God in your life, the Satan is always deciding not to let you go because he doesn't want to lose the area that you're a slave to him in in your life. And all of us have areas in our life that we're slaves to the enemy in. And when we decide to take a stand and not conform, he's not just going to let you and I go. Come on, you decide, I'm going to live pure and not not be having sex with everything that walks and breathes. Come on, I'm going to live right for God. Next thing, all of a sudden, that girl that you had never talk to in eight years has your number that's the third number that you've changed and she's like hey you're like how did you 
Or young ladies, you're deciding you're not going to give away what's God's. You're going to make people find Jesus in your heart before they ever get your life. You're going to hide your life in Jesus and make them find you in Jesus. Then all of a sudden, that boyfriend that calls you back up and starts pressuring you, and he's going to leave you if you don't give him what he wants. And young man, you know, you make a decision to, to live for God or give. Come on, anybody ever made a decision to tithe and actually obey the biblical principle of not robbing God? Can we get real? And then all of a sudden your car blows up, refrigerator breaks down, you need a new microwave. Come on, I've been there. There's going to be heat when we decide to take a stand for God. Man, I, I just, I'm going to give up alcohol and drugs. And all of a sudden that dude come, calls you up and like, man, I got the biggest party you've ever seen. Satan doesn't want to let you go. Nebuchadnezzar binds him up, ties him up. Furnace is seven times hotter. And the first thing we see them doing says they go into the furnace and they're walking around in it. Come on, there's this God confidence inside of them. Like, I can walk through anything. Like, I'm not getting burnt up. Like, whatever I'm going through, like, God's with me. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in the fire. Many of you are avoiding scenarios that might be a furnace because you're scared you'll have to face the flames. Hear me. With God, write this down. With God, the greatest freedom happens in the hottest fires. The greatest freedom happens in the hottest fires. I see a brother right here. We sat on the banks of, uh, of the Mediterranean Ocean in Cuba, and we talked about different fires that we've been through and, and the freedom that God worked in his life and in my life in different moments. And, and, and the reality is the greatest freedom. We, we want to run from the flames and run from the fires and run from the furnace. But if you don't get confidence that Jesus shows up when everything heats up, then you'll run from every single fire you ever face, and you'll stop walking with God. If you don't make a decision that I'm not going to take on a false name, come on, they have these false ungodly names that have identified them. You have to open your ear up to the name that your Father in heaven calls you or you're going to run from every fire you face and quit walking with God. Come on, God calls you a conqueror, an overcomer, more than a conqueror. He calls you victorious, no weapon formed against you, prospers. Come on, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first and not last, victor and not victim. He says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He says that, that no weapon formed against you prosper. Over and over and over, there, you have to open your ear up to who he says you are or culture will try to claim your identity and then you'll begin to buy into insecurity and fear and doubt and self-sufficiency and insufficiency and you'll bow at the first temptation because you'll be scared to burn. But the faith that says, even if, even if you come at me, devil, I'm not bowing down. Jesus is showing up in the middle of this fire. And they begin to walk together. And it's the flames that free us. God doesn't set them free or deliver them from the furnace, but he uses the furnace to work freedom in their life. It says that as they went through the flames, the actual bonds and, and, and things that had them tied up actually burnt off their life. The only thing that was singed off their life was the bondages that they were in before they went through the fire. Come on. They come out and they don't even smell like smoke. Some of you have been so scared of the flames, but God's wanting to work some freedom in your life. Come on, I know it's going to be scary to tell your boss you stole money. Well, God, do you know what's going to happen if I tell? I know it's going to be scary to tell your wife or your husband you're addicted to pornography. 
I know it's going to be scary to get honest with somebody and tell them that you deal with thoughts of suicide and depression and that you can't get free. I know it's going to be scary. I know that the enemy's telling you, if you get real and you face the flames and you face the furnace, you're going to be on your own and you're going to lose your job and you're going to lose your marriage or you're going to lose that friendship or you're going to lose that. I know it's scary to talk and tell the truth and to get out in, the fr- in, in front of it and, and to face the flames, but I'm here to tell you, God will actually show up in the flames and in the fire and when the heat gets on, you have to endure some heat to see the light of God. You have to endure some heat to see God's light in your life and you're not on your own man Jesus walks through it with you I know that sounds cliche but man he is there he breathed out the universe he can he will but even if I'm not going to worry about the what ifs I'm going to stand on the even if even if God you'll get my worship you'll get my praise Nebuchadnezzar sees three of them he goes wasn't there three but I see a fourth and it looks like the son of God and Jesus is in the fire Come on, Jesus shows up when it heats up. And then he brings them out and he says, your God is God. Every nation will worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he gives a decree of revival across the planet. Come on, because three young men decided not to bow, not to conform. We won't conform. Revival breaks loose. I promise you, if you guys will take a stand for God and say, you know what, I'm not going to conform. I'm going to face some fire. I'm going to face some flames. And I'm believing for freedom in God. He'll do some miracles that you've been waiting for and believing for. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm teaching my, I'm teaching my 16-year-old son to drive right now. Anybody ever been that pleasure? It's an interesting adventure. Any parents ever had to teach a child to drive? 16, 15, 16? How exhausting is it? It's exhausting. And, and here, I took him out the other day, and he's driving. He's pretty good, but he's, you know, he's first time. He's driving around, and I'm like, and I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait. There's, there's a tree. There's a bush. There, hey, look out for the curb. Don't take out the mailbox. He's like, Dad, I would rather not hit the car than the mailbox. I'm like, I, okay, I get that, but just watch out. Don't run over my bushes. Ah, watch this. Ah, and I'm just kind of like, dude, slow. And he's jerking. And I'm like, ah, okay, whoa, not the brakes so hard. Which, okay, not so fat. And I'm just on him. And it's like, watch out. And I'm just getting home. I'm like, whoa, I'm exhausted. You know why I'm so exhausted? Because I don't trust him. Some of you are so exhausted because you don't trust him. And you're trying to give him driving lessons. You're trying to tell him, God, you know there's a furnace right here. God, you know it's hot over here. God, you know, hey, God, listen, whoa, there's a treat. There's a, God, if I go this direction, if I serve you here, God, if I tithe, if I forgive them, God, do you know what it means if I forgive them? It means I'm going to have to go back to that house. I'm going to have to sit with them again. I'm going to actually have to go and be with my relatives again. I'm going to actually have to be, I'm going to have to reconcile something. You, God, do you know what that means? It means I'm going to have to admit that I was wrong. And you're exhausted because you don't trust God to drive the thing and Whatever area that you need to give him the keys to today, I pray that you would because we can trust him. Whatever fire you're facing, I pray that you would know that he is in it. I want to pray for you today. If you'd bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I just want to pray for those of you that are in a bow or burn battle right now. Maybe it's a won't conform moment. It's a decision moment that you know you have to make. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit... By the, by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would give you the ability to not bow, to not conform. No one looking around. If that's you, if you say, you know what, Jamie, I need prayer. I'm in, a, I'm in the battle of my life. I'm in a bow or burn moment. I know there's some decisions I have to make. There's some directions I have to go. I've been tempted to kind of go back and, and go the other direction. But Jesus is enough. I heard us sing it today that 
that I'm not turning around. I have decided to follow God and I know it's going to maybe get a little bit hotter in an area, but I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to go in the what ifs. I'm going to, I'm going to go in the even ifs, even if I'm going to serve God, even if it doesn't work out, even if I'm going to worship him today. No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, if you say, Jamie, pray for me, just put your hand up to me right now. I'm in a bow or burn battle. Come on across this room. I know a lot of young people are in that battle with their friends and popularity and those kind of things. Father, you see every hand, you see every heart. Holy Spirit, it's not by our own strength or our own might. I pray that you would supernaturally today, it's not by my might, I can't convince anybody, but I pray you use my word today, you use your word, you use the Bible, and the word of God to, to be put into us and to give us a, a backbone of strength that we could sit together with some people, we could stand together privately and stand together publicly and we could walk through whatever fire we're facing. Father, I pray right now that every fire and every furnace that each of us are facing today, we would have the courage to walk through it and know that you're with us and that we would come out free on the other side. I pray we would not deter, we would not deny you, we would not walk away, but we'd walk into whatever we need to walk into today. The last thing, no one looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. The reality is we all needed Jesus to show up in the furnace of our fire to rescue us. Every one of us, every one of us in here had sin. We missed the mark with God. We were away from God. And I don't know where you are in relationship with God today. I don't mean church. I don't mean religion. I don't mean rules and regulations. I mean a relationship with a good father in heaven, a good God who sent his son Jesus to die for us, to remove the fire of sin and the fire of shame and guilt and anxiety. He went to a cross and died to take our heart and put it to that tree and give us his heart, a godly heart. If you're here in this place, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, that if, if anybody says yes to Jesus or surrenders to Jesus, that you get a fresh start in God. I'm not gonna bring you forward or embarrass you, but I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up to me in a second. If you know you're here today and you need a fresh start with God, you need Jesus to show up in the furnace of your life. You've been trying to run everything and do it on your own and you need him to be the leader of your life. You want eternal life. You want a relationship with God, a fresh start with God, a real relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up on three. Again, you can't clean yourself up. You can't get yourself out of the, the fires. You need Christ. You need Jesus to save you, to rescue you from that. If that's you today, one, two, three. Just put your hand up to me right now. Come on, God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Come on, anybody else, let me pray for you. Put it up so I can pray for you. God bless you right there in the back. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Come on, church. People saying yes to eternity, saying yes to Jesus right now. If you put your hand up, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you didn't put your hand up, but you need to put your heart up in this prayer, just put your heart up and pray this prayer. It's not about the words. It's about your own heart, your own declaration to God as we pray together, just surrendering to him. I'm going to pray for you, and you can pray with me, or you can pray your own words. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to a cross and dying for me. Thank you for taking on all my shame and all my guilt and all my sin on that tree. Thank you for dying to make me alive. Thank you for taking death and giving me life. Today, I trust you as my Lord and as my leader. I trust that you rose from the dead and that you are God. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Give me your heart and continue to transform me and make me like you. I give you my entire life. Until I see you one day, I'll serve you with everything I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. People across the house saying yes to Jesus. That's the greatest miracle, the greatest celebration. All of you that just said yes like that, 
you, you just experienced a, a happy birthday, I want to say. Come on, that was your, your birth moment in the kingdom of God.